Friends, before we begin, let me invite you to keep up with all the Tracks for the Journey resources by subscribing to the Tracks Express newsletter. Once a week, I send a wide range of helps for well-being directly to your inbox. The Express has inspiration and insights for spirituality, relationships, ecology, emotional health, and yes, recipes for good food. The easiest way to subscribe is on my website, www.tracksforthejourney.com. Thanks for listening today. Welcome to Tracks for the Journey, an audio magazine dedicated to your well-being. I'm Larry Payne, your host. I'll be exploring helps for your healthy growth from progressive Christian theology, psychology, science, and history. In this episode, let's travel down the trail together and talk about chronic illness, listening, and a lawnmower. In our first segment, called Soul Prince, A Long Journey for Healing. I want us to think about your travels through difficult times. I heard the story of a woman who was in tears as she talked with a chaplain. She'd been a patient for more than 200 days, enduring countless tests and five surgeries. Through tears, she said to the chaplain, I don't think I can go through this anymore. Chronic illness is a reality for millions of persons today. Chronic illness means that some condition has gone uncured for a long time. A story from the days of Israel in the Old Testament speaks to us about the chronic illness and the work of God. In 2 Kings 5, we can follow the experience of a warrior named Naaman, and I think we can find hope for this long journey through illness if it's a part of our life, too. In this story, Naaman is a man of power and privilege in the ancient nation of Aram, or modern-day Syria, which lies north of Israel. He was a military leader of great power and success, an advisor even to the king. For his entire career, he had been respected and followed. Then something terrible happened. A skin disease began to creep across his body. His healthy, olive-covered skin, his healthy, olive-colored skin began to redden, then form blisters, and then turned white with disease. We can imagine that whispers began to spread through the entire army. The general is cursed. The general is dying. We can imagine his wife withdrew and friends kept their distance. The dark fog of despair spread around his command post, his family, and his own heart. The chronic skin disease had done what no army had ever been able to do in defeating the mighty warrior. His search became so desperate, he was willing to do anything to find relief. He was even willing to listen to a Hebrew slave girl who served his wife. She told him about a prophet back in her nation of Israel who could help. He decided, in desperation, to make the long trip to find help. 
It is so true that chronic disease will often bring a period of intense searching for a cure. This is normal, and all of us want health. This general of 28 centuries ago felt the same way we do today. We search, we hope, sometimes we give up, and then try again the next day. Searching is normal, and it's good, and every living creature strives for survival. So we should feel no guilt in seeking better help as if it's going against the will of God. Some days we feel hopeful, and some days we may sit in the dark hole of discouragement. Not everyone will understand and support us. But seeking relief in our chronic illness requires deep determination and resilience. But you can overcome the discouragement by keeping hope and the energy that flows from the love of God. Accept those up and downs as a part of the long journey to healing and be open to new opportunities. Naaman began the long journey to Israel to seek that cure. Perhaps the last time he saw this territory was as a conquering hero standing in his chariot looking down on broken warriors and bloody sands. But now he comes as the wounded one, yet still trying to hang on to his pride. He asked the gruff old prophet for healing, but when the answer was given to wash himself in the Jordan River seven times, his pride rose up, and only the desperate pleadings of his faithful servants finally convinced him to follow those instructions and to participate in the treatment. With reluctance, he gave the order for his servants to help him into the river. They surrounded him for the ritual washing, lowering and lifting him in the clear river water and dousing his diseased skin. Once, and then twice, and then seven times, just like the prophet said, the angry man with the diseased skin was covered by the cool water of the Jordan. And then the healing of God began to come. After seven ritual washings, a miracle began to unfold. The terrible diseased skin, white, yellow, blackened, begins to change. Whether over minutes or days, the Bible doesn't really tell us, but the end result is astounding. Healthy and vibrant skin, flush with the glow of renewed life, covered his body. I believe Naaman's story shows us something important. We must participate in the process of healing. Naaman had to go through the water as the prophet instructed, and our participation may be as simple as asking God in prayer for help or following the doctor's instructions to not go back to work too soon. Or it may be fall much more complicated, like changing our exercise patterns or throwing out old recipes and tempting treats for our diabetes or attending AA meetings to overcome drinking. We may be called on to forgive and leave behind the anger that's poisoning our body and soul. In many ways, the battle to overcome chronic illness demands that we become a vital participant, not a passive pill-taker. And whatever the process, we must join with God in that work of healing. I believe God uses many ways to heal us. He uses aspirin and the absolution of sin, Paxil or psychotherapy, radiation or meditation prayer, and PET scans. All are tools for the loving intentions of God to unfold. 
Our future's open, not locked away under divine control. Don't turn away from any of his works or pridefully neglect the counsel that could make such a difference if we would just do it. We are collaborators with God in making tomorrow. Naaman's physical healing brought an epiphany of spiritual insight. He confessed his faith in Yahweh, the God of Israel, and the heart of that rough prophet Elisha was warmed with his dramatic proclamation, which shows a soul changed as well as a body healed. And the ultimate goal in the heart of God for every life is for us to be transformed into God's likeness. Jesus said in John 17, This is eternal life, that each person may know the one and only true God, and Jesus, the one who was sent. The spiritual path for each one of us will be different. Some paths may even be through the valley of physical illness before spiritual wellness appears. Had Naaman never known the terrible affliction of his body, he might never have known the healing of his soul. We must trust God as we walk through times of illness. And remember, it's not really about the illness. It's about you and God joining for total well-being. Take a few moments and do some retracking on our path. We need to consider an important topic that was raised in another podcast. And I begin by sharing that life has changed right here on the Bright Star Farm in West Texas. A few weeks ago, I sold my gas lawnmower. It was working fine, but the time had come to make a difference for the planet. So I bought an electric model, and it's worked great. I can mow the entire yard on one charge with no pollution. My electric trimmer tackles the weeds just fine, too. Why have I made these changes? Because our planet Earth is in a red zone of unprecedented climate change. Now, the podcast has addressed this subject before. It's talked about the climate, our stewardship of Christian responsibility, and what we can do. But much more urgency came last month when the report from the United Nations set alarm bells ringing around the world. Entitled Climate Change 2021, The Physical Basis, the document presented the work of 230 scientists from 195 nations about our ecological crisis. The key finding affirms what has been shown for decades— The unprecedented warming of the climate is caused by human activity. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said, The alarm bells are deafening, and the evidence is irrefutable. Greenhouse gas emissions from fossil fuel burning and deforestation are choking our planet and putting billions of people at immense risk. The climate crisis is not in the future. It is our reality today across the globe. The UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has been at work for more than 30 years. 
and this report cites more than 14,000 research reports towards this stark conclusion. We are indeed at a code red danger zone. Levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere are higher today than at any time in the last 2 million years. For methane, it's at least 800,000 years. And the rate of increase of greenhouse gases exceeds all natural changes during the same time period. As a result, temperatures over the last 50 years have increased at a rate faster than any time over the last two millennia. It's likely that the most recent decade is as warm as any period in 125,000 years. This terrible crisis in our human history has brought out something that has never been done before in religious history. This month, Pope Francis of the Roman Catholic Church, Patriarch Bartholomew of the Eastern Orthodox Church, and the Anglican Archbishop Welby, all three issued a joint declaration, the first time in history that such a statement has been made. They wrote these words, These crises present us with a choice. We are in a unique position either to address them with short-sightedness and profiteering or seize this as an opportunity for conversion and transformation. If we think of humanity as a family and work towards a future based on the common good, we could find ourselves living in a very different world. Together we can share a vision for life where everyone flourishes. Together we can choose to act with love, justice, and mercy. Together we can walk towards a fairer and more fulfilling society with those who are the most vulnerable at the center. Caring for God's creation is a spiritual commission requiring a response of commitment. This is a critical moment. Our children's future and the future of our common home depend on it. Once again, those are the words of a common statement, the first ever issued by the Pope, the Patriarch of the Eastern Orthodox Church, and the Anglican Archbishop. It's important to pay attention to things like that. So what can I do? What can you do? The reports are clear that what has happened will take decades to reverse, but humanity can slow the rate of change by reducing the pollutants of our industries, fuels and agriculture. The United Nations Act Now effort highlights 10 actions that anyone and everyone can take today. The top five are drive less, use less energy at home, eat plant-based foods, recycle, reduce, repair, repurpose our goods, and speak up for change. Those are only five of the ideas, and there's much more to learn and to do on the Act Now app that's available on your smartphone. This UN approach will guide toward a sustainable climate by providing daily tips for you, impact trackers, habits, stories, and challenges. Your quality of life can be better today and tomorrow if we just all would take some action. You may even want to sell that old beat-up smoking lawnmower to help your corner of the planet. And I'd like to invite you to 
go to my website and listen to the podcast entitled The Blue Marble, where I first discuss climate change and Christian theology in much more detail. In that episode, I conclude with the prayer of Pope Francis from the encyclical he published on the subject some years ago. He prayed these words, God of love, show us our place in this world as channels of your love for all the creatures of this earth, for not one of them is forgotten in your sight. Enlighten those who possess power and money that they may avoid the sin of indifference, that they may love the common good, advance the weak, and care for this world in which we live. We really can act now if we will. Do you tweet? Millions do, or they read the tweets of others. And now Tracks for the Journey has joined the flock with our very own Twitter account. I'll be updating this frequently to bring you some good stuff about your well-being. It's simple to start following to keep up with additional news, inspiration, and connections that I'll be sharing. Just hit the Discover icon and look for Tracks for the Journey. Or find me directly with the address at Tracks Journey. I hope you'll keep up with what we're doing at Tracks for the Journey and that you'll enjoy Twitter for some good material. In the final segment of this episode, let's cover some psychopaths. Are you listening? Scientists have been listening for radio signals from aliens for decades. Way back in 1924, Mars was closer to Earth than at any time in the previous century. Scientists wanted to listen for signals from Mars to see if there was any life on the planet. So across the entire country, a National Radio Silence Day was promoted. For 36 hours, all radio stations stopped transmitting for five minutes, on the hour, every hour. And at the United States Naval Observatory on the East Coast, a special radio receiver attached to a huge dirigible was lifted two miles into the atmosphere, and the receiver aimed towards Mars. The program had the backing of the military, and the chief cryptographer of the United States Army was assigned to translate any messages from the Martins. We were listening but nothing came through the airwaves. In the 1970s, Carl Sagan founded the Planetary Society to expand the campaign of listening for extraterrestrial life. Numerous observatories were enlisted to scan a wide range of radio frequencies. In the 50 years since that time, the effort has continued with many different government and private companies pouring millions into a high-tech extension of this project. They've been scanning millions of wavelengths, 
with hundreds of stars within a 100-light-year diameter sphere of the Earth, listening, listening, and listening for any signals. But, as of now, there's only a great silence. Closer to Earth, listening is important in all our relationships. And that's really where I want to focus this segment today. How are you doing about the skill of listening in your relationships? Let's take a few moments and focus on what understanding it and finding out how we can do it better. Dr. John Gottman is a world-renowned psychologist. His research into human relationships have improved life for millions of people. He's the author of many different books. And in one of those, entitled The Relationship Cure, he offers some great insights about listening. At the core of his findings on relationship is the idea that people often try to communicate with others and that we respond to connections, and that those people who do the most have the best life and relationships. Each time a person bids for our attention with a word or a gesture, we have the opportunity to connect and grow the relationship. The opposite is true also. The more times we disregard a bid for attention, the less the relationship can succeed. When we respond to a bid with active listening, a relationship can really flourish. So how can we do this better? First, we must tune in with our whole attention. The human brain has a limited attention capacity, and effective listening starts with focusing on that other person. That sounds easy, but it's not in our normal world. We're surrounded by distractions, like the phone in our hand, the TV playing, or other people in the room. We're also filled with internal distractions, like wondering what we will say next in the conversation or the memory of how we felt in the previous conversation. It's important to put all of those distractions away and imagine your attention is like a spotlight on the forehead of that other person, concentrating on that special moment of the now conversation we're having. Our first thing to listen better is to pay attention. The second item, Gottman says, is that we must let go of our own agenda. He writes, Listening requires instead that you let go of your desire to control the situation. And we do that too far too often. Sometimes we're just in a hurry. Other times the conversation is too emotional. We don't want the burden of the other's issues. We can even start trying to solve their problem with my advice, which actually stymies the real connection between us. So the key is to give up the agenda. Just listen and let the other person share according to their need. Indicate your interest by your nod, your word of support and understanding, but focus on what they want to say. You'll be amazed at what you learn and how the relationship can really grow. The third thing he says is that we must pay attention to those nonverbal signals. Listening also involves our eyes. Your brain is probably doing this already, but you're not really benefiting from it. 
We know instinctively when someone is angry long before they say anything at all because of how their body and their face is communicating that. Research shows less than 10% of the communication that we receive is verbal. The majority is through the body language or the facial expression. So turning to more subtle emotions, most of us need to raise our awareness of these nonverbal signals. Gottman says the answer to it is simple. Skilled observation takes vigilance. You've got to be watching closely. So for us today, without acting like an unblinking creep who's staring at someone, just pay attention to that person's mouth, their eyebrows, their body posture. Maybe do some online research to learn what scientists have discovered about body language that we witness every day. Listening with your eyes to those nonverbal signals can bring greater understanding. I recommend that you take some time to look at John Gottman's material. You can look up his material on his website for the Gottman Institute. Couples, parents, professionals can find many helpful items from this expert. You can find it at www.gottman, which is G-O-T-T-M-A-N, dot com. As I mentioned, the radio telescopes are still waiting for a message from intelligent life on another planet. And maybe that's okay. But in our relationships... We need to listen and listen again to build the relationships that promote our well-being. Thank you for taking a few minutes to listen to this episode of Tracks for the Journey. If you like what you've heard, share a rating with your podcast provider and send a link to your friends. I invite you to go to the tracksforthejourney.com website to find even more resources for your faith journey. You can also join the community on Facebook. Tracks for the Journey is produced at the Bright Star Studio and hosted by buzzsprout.com. All rights reserved. Music is provided through Epidemic Music. And you can find resources and links to those in the show notes and the transcript that's available. Thanks for the listening today, and may your journey be filled with well-being.